Good morning and welcome to episode 110 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. My guest today is from Jacksonville, Florida. But before I introduce them, um, because we get into some stories about print design in this episode, I wanted to quickly give another shout out to my guide that I put together for designers. Um, It's all about the top things to check your file for, double check your file for, even triple check your file for before sending into the printer. This guide will help you point out the most common things that are missed when people are or designers are submitting files to printers and potentially save you some time and proof turnaround, potentially save you some costs. And we all know if you're dealing with print, those are two big issues. So just head to thequickiepodcast.com, enter your email address there and yeah, you got it. I'll send that your way for free. So today's guest. My guest today is Kendrick Kidd, and yes, that is his real name. I know that because I asked him that question. Kendrick Kidd. Pretty sweet, right? He talks about how his parents did him a solid with that one. We also talk about how right from the beginning, it was always art and design for Kendrick. Daycare was art-focused. High school was art-focused. And it was in high school where his art teacher was the first to mention graphic design to him. Skate culture and surf culture was a big influence on his career for an opportunity to do design work for the bottom of a skate deck, a skateboard deck. Um, He talks about how that project came to be and what that meant to him. He also shares with us a illustration collaboration project that he was a part of. We talk about a book that he worked on when that Microsoft and Nokia merger happened. Talk about art show he was a part of. My gosh, we get into so much into this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My awesome guest, super fun guy to talk to, Mr. Kendrick Kidd. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Kendrick, how are you today, man? I am doing well. How are you? Doing great. You're nearing the end of your day, so let's see if we can wrap this up with a quickie so you can get home. (laughs) Right on, man. Perfect. Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. So my name is Kendrick Kidd. Uh, I work as a creative director at an advertising agency in Jacksonville, Florida. I've been here for the last 15 years, and I also have a side business where I do freelance design and illustration. Awesome. You nailed it. Well done. <laughs> okay, I got. I gotta ask, Kendrick Kid. Is that just like a cool superhero name, or is that legit your name? That is legit my name. My uh, my mom and dad did me a solid. Yeah, for sure. Totally got <laughs> <laughs> Props, mom and dad. Well done. <laughs> That's cool, man. So, how long have you been at the agency for, and doing the freelance on the side for? Uh, I've been doing the freelance on the side for probably the past 10 years and I've been at the agency for about 15 now. Awesome. And before you were locked into the agency, cause obviously you've been there 15 years, you must be having a blast. What were you doing before then? 
Um, I've I've been working at agencies probably since about 2000. Okay. Um, before that, I worked at uh, the local newspaper doing car ads. Right on. Yeah, like straight out of school, I was uh, I was doing you know um, Sunday, 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 lots of burst, magenta, cyan car ads. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it was wonderful. Sweet. The dealership, <laughs> biggest deal in town. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I did that for about a year and a half, and then I kind of bounced around to a few different agencies, and then landed here. Um, yeah, I've been here ever since. Awesome, that's great to hear, man. Um, I want to dive back even further than that, though, and I want to ask you about your childhood. We already talked about how your mom and dad did you solid by giving you the old Kendrick kid name. Um, <laughs> but I want to hear about your childhood on the creative side. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career path? Uh, yeah, I think so, man. Um, mom and dad were always super duper supportive when it came to anything that was art related. Um, I heard stories about my dad growing up and kind of having an artistic talent that I think my grandfather discouraged that a little bit. Uh-huh. And I think that kind of played into my parents' approach when it came to me. Okay. Um, so they were always extremely supportive. And in addition to that, I uh, both my parents worked. So I went to uh, daycare, and the woman who owned it was an artist. So all of the summer camps that I went to growing up, they were all kind of centered around uh, like the arts, uh, not just drawing and painting, but music as well, sculpture. Um, and she did a really, really good job to just kind of integrate that in our activities during the summer. So I got a lot of exposure to it and I kind of figured out at a pretty young age that it was something that I enjoyed doing. Interesting. So was it drawing at that point or was it painting? What really stuck out to you and and really made you feel good? Uh, it was definitely drawing and music. Like those were the two things that I probably enjoyed the most. Very cool. Um, my kids actually go to a fine arts elementary school and now my daughter's in my oldest is in middle school. Um, but still fun following the fine arts path, uh, the acting, the painting, the drama, like, uh, or dance and everything else integrated there. And it's, it's awesome seeing. Dude, it's just cool that they have stuff like that now. You know what I mean? Like they, that somewhere along the line, somebody made the decision that, hey, we can create something like this and, and kind of cater to kids who are going in this direction anyway and foster it, you know, more than discourage it. Totally. And everything from social studies projects to math projects, like arts are integrated into all learning. So uh-huh. it's, a, it's a really cool approach and they seem to love it. So That's super rad, man. Awesome. So that was your sort of intro into design, um, or not design, but into expanding your creative horizons to say, um, what do you think was the the moment or the project where you were really solidified in this design and illustration route? Um, so in high school, I had a, I had a really great art teacher. Uh-huh. Um, she was very talented in her own right. Uh, and I guess it was my senior year. She had brought in a college rep from the art Institute of Fort Lauderdale, uh, just to kind of talk to us about, you know, different possibilities and, you know, where we could take an arts career or potentially make a career, um, you know, through, through the path of, path of uh, college and, and studies and whatnot. So anyway, he talked about graphic design and that was the first time I had really even like heard about graphic design and, and it really kind of clicked in my head when he was discussing like what it was and, Hey, you can do this for a living and, um, it can be a career path. 
And pretty much as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, this, <laughs> I'm not going to be a rocket scientist. So this, <laughs> this sounds like a good, this sounds like a good option. So that instructor basically told you what it was and you went light bulb. That's for yeah. me. Absolutely, man. It was like all those years where I had kind of been paying attention to like logos and graphics and t-shirts and stickers and all that shit. Just mm-hmm. it, it all made sense. So that was actually my next question. I'm glad you led into it that way. Um, what did you first start noticing when you started seeing graphic design? Maybe this was even long before you knew what it was. What did you first start seeing? It was honestly like a lot of it was rooted in skateboarding. Um, my, my parents would take me to the beach every Sunday. And on the way home, we always stopped at the local surf shop. Uh-huh. Um, so my parents got to know the owners pretty well. And they would spend maybe half hour or 45 minutes just kind of chatting it up with them. Uh-huh. And in the meantime, I would just be doing laps around the, the shop looking at like all the board graphics and all the stickers and all of the t-shirts. And it just seemed, it all seemed so magical. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like the coolest, it was probably one of my favorite parts about, about Sunday was, um, swinging by this place and just kind of like hanging out at the shop and being a shop rat for, you know, 45 minutes every Sunday. It was cool. Yeah. So your parents were like, went by, had a buddy who owned or made friends with an owner of a surf shop. That's pretty cool in itself. Yeah. Mom, mom and dad were, they were all right. They were pretty cool. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. For mom sure. and dad getting some serious props here. <laughs> um, Kendrick, I want to ask, you know, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Something, maybe it's something you've seen, maybe it's something you've been a part of. Is there one particular piece that stands out to you? Uh, like influential in the sense of like, I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of it or just something that I've seen that like really solidified, Hey, I want to do that. Um, I would go something you solidified. I want to hear about a proud project later on, but right now just something you saw that really solidified it for you. Maybe it's something that even stuck with you. Yeah, honestly, man, like kind of going back to the whole skateboarding thing, I think for a long time, I really wanted to do like skateboard graphics and t-shirt graphics and sticker graphics. And, you know, at the time when I was growing up, obviously like the internet wasn't around. So everything was a lot less accessible. And I feel like that kind of added to the allure is I didn't know how to go about creating any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it'd be one thing to create the graphic, but how do you get it from, you know, a drawing on a piece of paper to, you know, a screen print on a skateboard so I, I think, like from from the earliest days, that was that was like a goal I had. Again, before I knew what graphic design was, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do that. Um, so yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well said. So definitely that skate culture. Now, before I get to the next question, have you had some of your artwork on a skateboard or a surfboard? I have. I have. I've been Sweet. lucky enough. <laughs> I, I've done a little bit of work for uh, real skateboards. Uh, Spitfire wheels, basically a, a few of the um, deluxe brands. Uh, I've also done some uh, decks for like local local shops around here. Um, yeah, so I've I've had the opportunity to do it, and I remember when I freaking got that email, I was so stoked, man! I like just be, beyond belief. <laughs> okay, so somebody reached out to you, said, "Hey, saw your artwork. How about you design some boards for us?" Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was like. 
you know, we've, we've got a project, uh, we need to do, you know, some decks, would you be interested? And like, I, I had a really hard time kind of containing myself. Um, <laughs> cause I, I just, I read the email. I must've read it probably like five times. Um, because I was so damn excited about it. And, uh, yeah, it, it worked out really well. They were super nice. Um, I still have the decks. They were nice enough to send a few to me. So, um, awesome. yeah, yeah, it was cool. When was that? Uh, that started, I don't know, maybe about seven years ago, five or seven years ago, somewhere in there. I can still feel your excitement coming out of that. Dude, I, I get geeked out about it like every single time it happens. Like <laughs> That's there's, so cool. It's literally, it's like that, that child inside of you is getting to like live that dream that they had, you know, when, when they were 10, you know, and it's just all those feelings just come rushing back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's not, the funny thing is, man, like it's not the most high paying work in the world. It's honestly, I mean, it's, it's, it's not great, but you don't do it because it's great. You do it because you want to do it. Um, sure. and it's like super gratifying. And that's, you know, after doing, you know, a hundred plus episodes of this, that's what I've found that comes out of this. The stuff that really resonates with people that makes them smile and just get giddy almost. It's not the stuff that allowed them to pay off their mortgage early or anything like that. It's the stuff that they've always wanted to do as a kid. It might have not even paid anything, but yeah. they're just so stoked about it. Yeah, we're, we're lucky in that regard, man. For that's sure. For sure. Um, so your name has been mentioned on the podcast a few times as an inspiration and I had people reach out to me wanting to get you on the show. So now I want to ask you, Kendrick, in that position that you're in, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to or closely follow and what is it about them that you like? Um, so designer wise, God, there's so many people, man. Um, I really, really, really love Bethany Hex's work. Um, I've been following her for a few years and the way that she handles topography and graphic systems just seems to be on another level, like her, just her understanding of all of it and methodology and approach, um, is just better than a lot of people that I've, I've seen. Mm -hmm. So I have a ton of respect for her. Um, of course, people like Trapman, like he is the, he, he's fucking amazing. He's just an amazing human. He's a great designer. Um, I had him on for episode 100. You got to go back and listen. To, I had to split it into two parts because we just got chatting and it went way <laughs> longer than I had ever anticipated. But it was a great interview because he even shared some stories that he hasn't talked about before. So that one was cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'll definitely go back and give that a listen for sure. Um so yeah, God, who else? Uh, the Hood Sisters are fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark Orr is amazing. Um, God, Roji King. Um, there's, I, I mean, honestly, dude, like I'm a fan of all of it. I'm a fan yeah. of a lot of people uh, because I feel like everybody kind of like brings a little something different to it. Even if you've got people that are doing similar styles, it might just be like the way that they think or the way that they approach it is you know, just uniquely theirs that, I I don't know, I I geek out about all of it pretty much. So was that almost the common theme where you like the designers who are just themselves? They don't hold back, they don't try and fit into anything, they're themselves. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, anybody who's not afraid to go out and just try something, 
and own it and I don't know, not really following the wave so much, just kind of cutting their own path. Mm. I don't know. I find that very attractive Definitely. for sure. Um, so Kendrick, I got a couple of questions here um, about print. Um, do you have, I guess the question would be, tell us about how you've utilized print in your design career and maybe a project or two that really stood out to you as uh, impactful. So, um, the majority of the work that I do is, is in print, um, and in a variety of forms of print. So, uh, screen printing, letterpress printing, offset, um, even like can printing, you know, printing on metal substrates and what, whatnot. Uh, so, so pretty wide variety. Um, one of the, one of the projects that sticks out most in my mind, um, was probably my first, uh, my first beer can design. We had a craft brewery open up here in, I guess it was about 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow my friend Jackie and I talked them into letting us do some design work. <laughs> somehow you talked him into it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was a while ago. They didn't really know who we were. They were just getting started and stuff. And, um, my friend, uh, Jackie had kind of let me know, know about it. And she was like, Hey, we should go and try and do this. Cause it would be fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, we linked up with them and, I remember, uh, you know, we were just doing tap work at first, which was just printing on vinyl stickers and adhering it to like wooden tap handles. Mm-hmm. But the day day finally came where they had created enough beer and enough buzz that they were going to start um, canning the beer. So it was it was fun to me because you know after designing print for such a long time and and only doing flat surfaces, uh, doing something on a curvature, there was just a different set of considerations. Mm -hmm. Um, and then printing on metal versus paper, uh, was again, a whole nother set of considerations that I wasn't really used to or aware of, um, just kind of the constraints and what you can and can't do. So I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot because it was after, you know, working in print for a good many years. Um, it was neat to come across something that was just new that you hadn't done before. And I, and I think, I think that project, I mean, in addition to just, you know, doing brewery work in general, which was freaking awesome. Um, it was just neat to kind of print on something that you had never printed before and then kind of force yourself to think a little bit differently when it came to, you know, not just design decisions, but production decisions and how those two intersect and just trying to figure out the best possible solution. Perfect. Really well said. I like how you said that, wrapped it up in the end there. Um, Because it's really ultimately about the solution and understanding the process of all stages um, to to learn how to really utilize that substrate, that shape, um, to create some really cool things. No, you're absolutely right, man. And I feel like, you know, again, no matter what project you have, uh, those considerations are always there, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any recent interactions with print, whether it was something sent to your house or something you came across uh, in the studio that you enjoyed? And what about it did you like? So my friend M uh, just did a series of um, Jaguar head prints for a pop-up shop that another buddy of mine was putting on over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the prints were uh, digital, but they were done on uh, some like French speckle tone paper, okay. yep. which was gorgeous. Uh, 
and the way that the, the just the colors that she chose on uh, the paper that she chose, they, they just interacted really well. And I feel like digital print is like one of those things where it had a pretty negative stigma uh, for a long time, but it's come, it's come a long way in the last you know, eight years or whatever. So it was just cool to see, um, you know, a well-done graphic, some well-chosen paper, and a digital print that um, that was that was very nice. And when it all came together, it created this really nice little art print. So yeah, that's cool. That's cool. How you know, even short-run digital stuff can be something that is impactful, and um, you know, sticks around and can impact our lives. Yeah, I absolutely agree, man. So Kendrick, I got a couple of questions now for you that take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, you learned some lessons, um, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Um, so what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, that's a, it's a great question and it's a hard one to answer. I feel like there's a lot of challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. Um my biggest challenge is kind of figuring out when to say yes and when to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I have design, I have tendencies because of, I think the way that I was brought up that if you can help somebody out, you try and help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about work, I don't really, I don't really put any boundaries against that a lot of times. Um, and it can create like, you know, a situation where you're overworking yourself mm-hmm. and you're delivering products that, you know, might be able, might be able to be done better. Um, so I would say probably early in my freelance career, I had a really difficult time balancing that. Um, but since I've had kids and gotten married, um, it's kind of like jerked me into reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've found a way to uh, pick and choose a little bit more of the, the projects that I want to take on. And if I can't take something on, I try and um, I try and recommend people that I think would be a good fit and maybe spread the love around a little bit if I can. Um, that way I'm not leaving you know potential clients in the lurch, uh, but I'm also not running myself into, into the ground and you know making my family hate me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So balance. You know, balance yeah. is like a career long struggle, I think, for uh, for a lot of us. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Um, I want to ask now about a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, and I'm going to generalize a little bit, but there there is a type of project that comes through and a type of client that has come through. Uh, several times in my career that I feel like always tends to go the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think when when clients have a really hard time either articulating what it is that they're looking for or they don't know what they're looking for, mm-hmm. uh, it creates a really n- bad spiral of a situ- situation mm-hmm. where you're just producing and producing and producing and getting turned down and turned down and turned down because you didn't get the necessary direction up front. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's not a hundred percent apparent. Like when you first get into the situation, you feel like you're getting, you know, the direction you need, but sometimes, uh, you know, people don't, people who don't regularly work with designers Mm -hmm. don't always understand the process. Mm -hmm. 
uh, of how things go and you know, they'll get in a situation where, you know, they request one thing, you deliver on that one thing, and then the direction changes the next time around. You know, you give them the benefit of the doubt and you go with the change of direction for one reason or another, and then it happens again. Mm -hmm. um, and it just creates a really bad situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I can't think of... There's been several instances that have gone like that, but it's it's more it's more of a uh, just a learning upfront, you know, what it is that you're supposed to be doing, and and kind of setting some parameters and boundaries before you get into the project mm -hmm. itself, so that you at least have something to go back to and you know and call on should it go in a bad way, if that makes sense. So as a designer, if a client knows that they are maybe indecisive or not quite sure on the solution they are looking for, are they then best to approach a designer and say, look, I don't know what I want this to look like. I don't know what the colors are. I don't know. But here's the problem. What is my creative solution? And just leave it to the designer? Sometimes, yes. Um, and, and I think I've, I've worked with art directors in the past who are very good at kind of coming to you for something that you do, uh -huh. um, not really coming to you with somebody else's work and saying, hey, you need to execute against this, but coming to you for work that you've done and then just asking you to do what it is that you do. Uh -huh. And those situations tend to go very, very well. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, with, with that kind of creative freedom, it really is on you as the designer to, you know, do it as well as you can possibly do it. And I feel like you get more excited about it too. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're not being like boxed into like, you know, a bunch of different parameters. Totally. Um, but at the same time, if, if that same kind of direction comes from somebody who isn't used to dealing with designers and, and really isn't experienced in the process, that's when it kind of gets weird. Mm -hmm. Um, so so yeah, it's, I guess the answer is both, right? It, yes, it's good, Definitely. but yes, it can be bad too. Got it. Yeah. Um, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um, I, I have a, so since I took the creative director position um, here at the agency, I've had to kind of transition a little bit um, from not just doing the work to directing more of the work uh, and overseeing more of the work. And I think in the past I've, you know, my experience has very much been rooted in doing and not necessarily directing. Yes. So, and, and it's, you know, they're two different animals for sure. Um, so I think when that, that transition first came about a couple of years ago, um, I definitely struggled a little bit with, okay, how much, how much direction should I give? When should I take things back? Uh, when should I hang on to them and do them myself? And my tendency was to hang on to too much of it and do it myself. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that has to do, well, some of it is a, a trust issue that, <laughs> yeah, that I have. Sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but we have a really good team here at the agency. Now I think it's probably stronger than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And when you have strong hands that are helping you, um, I feel like relinquishing some of that control and establishing that trust gets a lot easier. Um, so it's, it was tough at first, but you know, I, I'd like to think I'm in a place now where, um, I've got that balance nailed down a little bit better than before. 
You know, it's interesting you say it that way because one of my previous guests, um, I think it was Sean Clausen, if I remember right. I hope I getting that right. But episode 45, I believe it was. And he was from Instrument over in Portland. And mm-hmm. he had said, you know, it's a funny balance when you're really good at design and doing and being that hands-on designer. And then a company wants to promote you to a director and almost take you out of the doing that you're yep. really good at and you feel confident in to directing, which is something you may not feel totally confident in. Um, yep. And he said, you know, it's a funny balance into in that transition and in that world of um, directing and managing versus doing and what's the happy medium in there. So you can still keep hands on, but you have a little bit of space and a little bit of sort of directing to do as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is a tricky one, man. But again, I, I think a lot of that goes back to kind of the people that, um, that are helping you. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are good communicators and you're a good communicator, it makes it a lot easier. And if they're, if they are very capable hands, um, that, that also makes it a lot easier too. Totally. That way you can kind of like, you know, you trust them to create that product that's going to be as good as it can be, you know? Totally. Um, all right, I'm going to turn it around here for you, you uh, Kendrick. Tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap. Um, I don't know if it's the biggest design feather in my cap, but I'll, I've got one in mind um, that I'm very proud of just because I, I it was a collaborative project uh, with somebody that I really, really respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just... It was just a ton of fun. So I guess about maybe six years ago, uh, I got an email from one of my favorite designers uh, slash illustrators. His name's Timba Smiths. Mm-hmm. And he had this project that he was working on for um, Microsoft and Nokia. Okay. So the two companies were going through a merger, and mm-hmm. they wanted to create kind of like a keepsake um like a limited edition keepsake to hand out to some of the people um, at the two companies that explain the um, kind of the background, uh, the background and history of both companies and why the merger was, was going to be so positive. And that, that manifested in basically this keepsake book, this really high end keepsake book. Uh, It was a hardcover, um, it had like like a burnished embossed uh, gold foil, um, all of these different like monoline illustrations, both for the cover and for the chapter breaks, mm-hmm. as as well as some uh, spot graphics inside. And then in the back of the book, there was a series of illustrations done by a bunch of different illustrators uh, from around the world, um, and it was just it was gorgeous. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Not not necessarily like my part, but all the work that I think went into it. It was just it was a really fun thing to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having the opportunity to work with somebody like Timba, I was just over the moon about. Um, he's a super duper nice guy. He's fucking crazy talented. <laughs> um, and the and just the process, uh, you know, going back and forth with him on everything was just it was just a pleasure. That's awesome. Where is he located? He is in London. Got it. And yep. he had seen your work somehow and reached out to you, or how did that connection happen? Uh, that's, that's another funny story. Um, he he had put on a 
art show mm-hmm. uh, that he invited a bunch of different um, designers and illustrators. I think it was called Not For Rent. And basically he did uh, like a jacket cover for uh, VHS tape. Um, and then in that jacket cover, or, you know, he basically had a setup, I think, at the show where all of them sat on, you know, a VHS rack. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't actually get to go to it, but I got the email. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it was from Timba directly or from the guy that he was working with. But we had, we had gone back and forth about the show, and I created a piece for it because it's Timba, and I, it was a cool idea. Uh-huh. So um, anyway, maybe about six months after that uh, is when I got the email about the, the Microsoft project. But that's, that's kind of how the connection got made. Very cool. <laughs> Such a great one. And it involves print. There you go. Yep. <laughs> um, Kendrick, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Oh, I have to have my Adobe Illustrator. Um, I absolutely love Dribble uh, for a design community. Uh-huh. They've, they've been, both the people who participate and uh, the, the people behind the site have been so supportive. I feel like of me and of other people um, in the design community, and it's it's been it's been massive. That was definitely a, getting involved with them has was definitely a turning point in my own career for sure. Awesome, um, Kendrick, you made it to the ask it forward question part of the show. So I've got a question for you from the last guest, and you have an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So my last guest was a gentleman by the name of Kevin Moore in uh, Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada over here. And uh, he specializes, he works with a lot of uh, record agencies um, and studios to design for punk bands, metal bands, and creates a lot of really cool stuff um, for them. His uh, freelance business is Soft Surrogate. Um, So definitely check out his stuff because he's got some cool things on Instagram. Um, He wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on working with printers um, and the print industry in general? And the the basis of that was he had a print project go a little bit sideways Mm -hmm. and he uh, had a hard time tackling it because he didn't have a previous relationship with that printer. So maybe speak to your interactions with brand new printers uh, that you don't have a relationship with and what you think about print in general. Uh, okay, cool. So yeah, the relationship part is massively huge. Um, I've, I've worked with several in the area and surrounding areas in Florida and being able to, um, one, be able to articulate what it is that you're looking for mm-hmm. and um, having them understand what it is that you're looking for is, is massive. And when you're dealing with new printers, it's just like any new relationship. You have preferences uh, about how things should go. And if you've been working with somebody for a really long time, a lot of times they, they already know those preferences. So even if they're not spoken, they're understood. Mm-hmm. And with, with new printers, you know, you have to be pretty overt about what it is that, that you expect and what, what you want to be, what you want the finished product to turn out like. Uh, so it can be tricky. So I think, I think the key to working with, Newer printers is just is communication um, and maybe over communication because a lot of times 
projects can get handed off to you know multiple people. Uh, maybe the rep isn't as versed in in printing as you know obviously the pressman uh-huh. or, or woman, whatever the case may be. Um, so really, kind of getting to know them and what their understanding level is, and if you recognize um, you know a miscommunication or a shortcoming, just you know, having candid conversations about it, uh, doesn't have to be something, you know, rude or nasty, but, uh, just, just open lines of communication and, and letting them know that, Hey, it's okay if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, if, if we could, if I could have a conversation directly with a pressman or come, come while it's on press or before it's on press, just to have a quick conversation, that kind of stuff goes a long way and you can head a lot of things off in the past. Yep. Well said. And print, uh, the print industry in general. Um, I love it. <laughs> Boom. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's really cool to see, um, you know, when I was in school, everybody was talking about how print was dying. Um, and that's just, you know, that has been a conversation that has come up over and over again since the birth of the internet. Um, but it's really cool to see kind of, the internet influencing print in a positive way uh, and just digital, digital mediums influencing print in a positive way. Because I feel like, you know, with so much digital things, um, you know, digital content that we consume, there is still a need as a human, I feel like to have something to hold in your hands and there's a different, a different level of appreciation. And I feel like that level of appreciation has probably gotten a little bit deeper since things like the internet have come about because, Mm -hmm. you know, because that need is there. So it's just, it's, it's been a very cool evolution to, to watch. I, I like feel like in the last 10 years. I like how you said that. And um, just a few episodes ago, I had a guest um, named Nathan Royce and he's currently a creative director um, in Las Vegas at r partners, but he was previously a creative manager at Facebook. And on his first day, he was introduced to what Facebook calls their analog lab, where they have presses, they have screen printing machines. This massive tech company has an analog lab and employees are encouraged to go dabble in the analog lab. Like that's that in itself just says something. Yeah, it's it's neat for a company like Facebook to to, you know, embrace that and recognize a need for it. I think that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's pretty fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I thought so. Um, so Kendrick, what's your question for my next guest? So I guess my question is what, with thing change, things changing as much as they do in the world and the, the need for new things and new content, um, what, what do you think it takes for someone to have uh true uh, longevity in their career. So would you say maybe with the pace of change and content creation in this current world, um, what was the last part? Uh, What do you think, what do you think it would take or what do you think it takes to have uh, longevity in your career? Mm, Nice. I really like that. It's kind of a good person. I, I know who my next guest is, uh, Kendrick, and I, I think it's a good question to approach them with. Right on. Well, I'll, uh, I'll definitely tune in and, <laughs> and see what the answer is for sure. Awesome. Kendrick, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. I really appreciate your time and thank you for um, you know spending a few extra minutes here with me and 
I'll let you off to go see your family. Man, I appreciate the time as well. Thank you again for having me on. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. And note his ask it forward question. Kind of a deep one. Uh, A really good question to ask of my next guest. I wasn't kidding when I said that. So tune in tomorrow to hear part one of my two-part interview with that guest. But you'll have to wait to part two to hear his answer to the ask it forward question. Great guest coming up tomorrow, just like all of them. They all have great stories to share, and I'm so happy they share them with us. Thanks again for listening, and I will be back tomorrow. See you then.